Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Lacrosse fans, what's going on? Please take your seats. It's time for LAX Class here on Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network as we're about to bring you episode number 54. Second episode of season number two, as we'll bring ourselves full circle. We'll tell you about that momentarily. As welcome back here to Lacrosse Classified. Thanks for joining us. It's Jake Elliott, Evan Scheminauer with you once again. Evan, it's a, a drizzly Monday morning here in British Columbia. What a weekend it was. The Rush were in town. The Seals were in town. Of course, the Warriors we're having training camp as well. I had a chance to take in a, a couple of exhibition games and, of course, uh, call myself a Canadian Junior Football Championship. Uh, why don't we start there? Welcome back to the podcast. And your Hilltops there in Saskatoon, Evan, win their sixth straight Canadian Bowl. Uh, 11, they don't even score a touchdown in that game, Evan, but they win, and it looks like I'll be wearing a Hilltops jersey at a rush game at some point this season. <laughs> You, you got to learn by now that you, you don't bet against a giant like that. You know, it's, uh, but well, you sucker me into these bets, knowing damn well <laughs> that you're probably going to win. But I must say, like, I probably should have, I probably should have taken you up on the opportunity to go for a point spread because you thought this was going to be a massive blowout yeah. for the Hilltops and it was anything, but they normally are like, normally we're talking 30 to 50 point wins. So, um, but a defensive struggle. Hey, you know what? At the end of the day, it comes down to how many points you can put on the board, and mm-hmm. the Hilltops managed to pull it off. And three field goals. You don't. You, and don't, a you don't win. You don't win six titles in a row by any fluke. So no, you don't. I mean, this is just no. Uh, congratulations but, to the Hilltops, uh, of course. But, and, but for and, the fans that might not be following us on Twitter, mm. the the bet basically ends up now that you're going to make an appearance at a rush game. In a Hilltops jersey. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I uh, had a chance to, to get to know Heather Burry a little bit, uh, who's the social media director of of the Hilltops, and uh, we've made arrangements already to uh, get myself a Hilltops jersey for a rush game. So uh, a bet's a bet. I always honor my bets, Evan. You know that. Uh, Rhinestone Cowboy still lives on in infamy on the internet somewhere out there if you want to go uh, – take that into full effect um big show this week evan as we finally get to our last team of our nll season previews presented by stampede tack and western wear the vancouver warriors are up and they are last and dan richardson will join the program here in about 15 minutes from now look forward to this lots of lots of things to talk about here with dan richardson evan biz nasty my man paul bissonette setting lacrosse twitter world ablaze last week with uh, a couple of tweets and we're going to talk to dan about all that what's going on here biz nasty thinks he can make the warriors line up evan well uh, you know i've heard a lot of comments back about this you know is it a publicity stunt this that the other thing you know why get him involved let's make one thing really clear about this guys this is marketing brilliance at its best. And I'm not saying that because the Warriors are a sponsor of this podcast. This is marketing brilliance. 
because the thing is, if you think you got to market a lacrosse game, an NLL lacrosse game to lacrosse people, you're nuts. If you look at Saskatchewan and you look at Vancouver, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. A lacrosse market with tons of players struggling to get attendance, a lacrosse market with very few players having 15,000 in the seats. It's about selling it to people that do not follow lacrosse. And over a million people on Twitter just started seeing the NLL again this week. Yeah, yeah. How many of them are going to show up in the building, even if he's there chirping the Warriors or if he's there hyping the team up or whatever? You know what? It's going to get new fans in the building, and that's what you need. Yeah, I don't know you know, how all this ends. But for people out there saying like, oh, you know, there's there's more deserving people out there that deserve a tryout more than that guy. Like, come on. Like, if, if for one, if they deserve the tryout, they would have been there. And yes, at the end of the day, this is quite well a publicity stunt. And, and where it ends up, we'll see. But this can do no harm to the Vancouver Warriors or the National Cross League profile as far as yeah. generating – some publicity, some attention, all of it, and and I think it's absolutely fantastic what's going on here. And let's correct it. It's not a publicity stunt. It's marketing brilliance. Yes, there that's you go. the term we need to start getting our heads around. Marketing brilliance. I like it. Uh, nothing's offside with the Vancouver Warriors, and and clearly that's the path they're going down here. Because you want to talk about guys who are offside on the regular. This Paul Bissonette guy. If you don't follow him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he is a good follow, over a million followers on his account, and uh, one of the kind of the first real pioneer personalities of Twitter way back when, and he has really taken a hold of um, his social media persona and has, has made a career out of it. Like, the guy was a, an absolute plug in hockey, and I, and I say that knowing that he made it to the NHL, but as far as their standards go... Like the guy was on the bottom of the rung, but look look what he's turned himself into, and that's all through social media. So uh, we'll talk to Dan Richardson about all of that. We'll talk about his Warriors, who's going to make the team, who's not, how training camp's been going, all that sort of stuff coming up here. And then we'll turn our attention and almost come full circle here, Evan. As you'll recall, it was about a year ago when we were sitting here talking about whether there was going to be an NLL season or not. And we'll have back on two of the leaders of the Professional Lacrosse Players Association, and Peter Schmitz and Dave Suckamore. And and these guys are always interesting to talk to. And, and uh, you're telling me, Evan, that they're gonna they're gonna present some information here that that fans are really gonna want to hear. Yeah, I'll leave that up to them to to get to that information. They told me in advance what it is, but. Um, I want to give the fans maybe a bit of a timeline so we don't spend a ton of time on the phone with them trying to go through this. They signed a five-year collective bargaining agreement a year ago. So technically that should expire in October of 2023. So you're wondering, why do we talk about CBA? Because we even, you know, last week with Jamie Dalek, he was talking CBA again, right? Here's the key to it. Either side can back out of the deal in October 2021, three years in. And if they want to do that, they got to give 12 months notice, October 2020. We're talking 11 months from now. Okay. So realistically, they've got 11 months to try and work out something longer term before one side backs out 
And we start to get into that uncertainty period that we had just a year ago. So hopefully we'll see where things are at. Nick Sakavich has said many times he wants a 10-year deal. He wants labor certainty so we can go sell expansion teams. Yeah, and we're going to... How he gets there, we'll see. Yeah, and we're going to, just to confirm, we have, in fact, booked Nick Sakavich for a week from today. So we'll look forward to a a pointed conversation with the big boss in charge of the National Lacrosse League. Nick Sakavich will join us for episode number 55. and, And, of course, that'll come... During the week, I can't believe this, Evan. Like we're we're a week away from being game week in the National Lacrosse League. We're just days away from the start of the season now. Absolutely fired up, but we got to get to our Stampede Tack and Western Wear NLL season preview here with the Vancouver Warriors. Let's talk about the Warriors, but first let me tell you that Stampede Tack and Western Wear is your complete source for Wrangler jeans. Evan, I know you are a huge fan of the Wrangler jeans. You can now shop online and save yourself 10 bucks per pair of any men's or ladies' Wrangler jeans or pants. Get on stampede.ca, shop, buy some Wrangler jeans, get 10 bucks off, look good. What more do you want? Shop there in Cloverdale or shop online where it's still shopping local, stampede.ca. Vancouver Warriors, Evan, lots to talk about here as far as they go. And uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it because we're going to talk to Dan about it. But let's talk with the expansion draft losses here quickly first. Jean-Luc Chetner and Brandon Goodwin, they turn around and they get Goodwin back uh, in the expansion draft from Rochester. I mean, the losses aren't as significant as we've seen with other teams. This is one thing with Vancouver. They, they've they had depth problems. They're trying to build some depth that, that's not there at the moment. And so they are getting out of these expansion drafts relatively unscathed. Um, you know, but that's going to take time for them to build that depth. You know, John Luke Shetner is it the easiest loss? No, but you know, it's much easier than other teams have had and that we talked to before. Absolutely, and I think where they really made their hay in this off season was their acquisitions, whether it be free agent signings or trades or what have you. And at the top of the list, former Rush player and Nick Bielich, who will surely help stabilize that back end and bring some sandpaper and some toughness and, and a real gamer to that back end of the Warriors lineup. And then up front, they go out and get a three-time champion in Riley Lowen, who, of course, won a couple of cups with the Rush and then just last year with the Calgary Roughnecks as well. Um, so two big acquisitions there. Uh, but they lose, they and, and they go out and get Bob Snyder. They address their face-off needs, which I think was super important. Brett Adams, who's looked pretty good, and, of course, Mike Mallory, who they really coveted, uh, part of their other acquisition. So I think a nice balance there of D.O. transition, um, some skills, some some grit. Like, they addressed a lot of needs in their acquisitions here. And I think the key is, with the first two names, Bielich and Lowen, is how many MLL titles do they have? I think they have five or six between the two of them. Yes. Which, you know, that type of experience is much more difficult to get. Can't buy it. Can't buy it, Evan. Uh, Draft pick. Actually, let's go departures here quickly. And and they do lose 
Tony Malcolm, um, they they had to give up something to get something. Jared told Travis Burton, their draft pick from a year ago, Zach Porter, who's on the IR. I saw Zach yesterday. He's still a ways away, I think, dealing with concussion problems. And Dallas Wade, unable to physically perform. So I think Malcolm kind of jumps off the page there the most as far as their departures go. But I think they, they're pretty they're pretty balanced on that right side with Ball and, and – uh, McBride and and they got some nice players over there on the right side, so I don't think they miss Malcolm all that much. Uh, draft picks, Darryl, do you want to touch on that? Sure, no, just real quickly is they of course they dealt Malcolm to New England to get a draft pick to send, and they sent that draft pick to Saskatchewan to get Bealich. Um The truth of the matter is they got more depth up front than they do out the back door, and getting the chance to get somebody out the back door probably a little more important. Absolutely, absolutely. Draft picks, Derek Lloyd, who I did not see over the weekend, I do not believe. I don't know if he's still with the team or not. Keegan Bell, who was still and is still with the team, had a nice uh, game on Sunday, had a couple of goals in that one. Gordy Phillips, I believe, has been released already. So draft picks, I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe Keegan Bell makes yeah. the practice roster. I don't know if any other draft picks make it, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing for Vancouver they're, they struggled last year. I don't know if you want that many young players in your lineup anyway. I think the experience is going to be a better way to go for them here as they try and get back into the playoff picture. So we'll see what happens there. And they, have, they got a lot of access to street-free agents. Sure they do. In yep. the local market, right? Absolutely. So, you know, street-free agents or a fourth-round pick, that's the thing. They didn't have a draft pick till the fourth round. And I know a lot of people have been tough on them about this. Let's look at it this way. The third-round pick went to get Goodwin back. Uh, the second-round pick was actually swapped for another second-round pick. This is one where Georgia didn't want their draft pick, so they give up a second to get a second in the future. Uh, so they, it was actually the one that they draft, used to get draft Burton um, that they had before. So it wasn't really a loss. The first rounder is a bit of a stinger. That's goes back to the Corey Small. Yeah, train, but they they, they turned that into Mitch Jones as well, which I think worked out pretty well for Vancouver. So, yeah, it doesn't look great, you know, not selecting to the fourth round, but you can kind of see the path. And listen, it's been a long wait since Vancouver has had a first-round draft pick, and that's going to come in next year's draft, which is absolutely loaded. So, um, One in the last 10 years. Yeah, they'll, they'll get back into the – to the pool as far as the draft goes and high-end talent uh, coming next September. Scheduling quirks here, Evan. we got to move quickly. Uh, six out of the nine on Friday. Week 11, they play Buffalo at home on the Friday and then are in Rochester on the Sunday. Yikes, that is a toughie. First three games of the season are at home. They host Halifax, Georgia. They do not play in New England and have two Friday row games against Philadelphia and Colorado which last year was difficult for Logan Schuss to make with his work commitments away from the game of lacrosse, has a tough time making Friday games, so we'll see how that plays out this year as well. Yeah, this, now, of course, we talk about Saturday games and Saturday games and Saturday games. From talking to the people in the Vancouver market, their preference actually was to get the Friday games. Yeah, the and Chancellor likes the, it. To get the after-work crowd that's already in downtown Vancouver mm-hmm. to stick around. Yeah, We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, their first three games are at home, and one of them's against New York. It's going to be critical for them to get two wins at home. So one thing they've had a tough time in the past is winning at home, and that's that's critical for their – and actually, they do 
they do play in New England, but the two worst possible travel dates, which would in Georgia and Halifax, are at home this year. So, okay, uh, not the worst travel schedule for them. Yeah, and and compared to their home schedule last year, I think it's a much better home schedule for Vancouver this year. And and you're right. Like I think if fans can get their head around, hey, it's Friday night, it's Warriors night, Saturday night maybe Canucks night, but if they can kind of get into that, hey, like instill that into people. Friday night is Vancouver Warriors night. Stick around, go for a bite to eat after work, and then head over to Rogers Arena and, and stay for the Warriors game and, and have a good time and then hit hit downtown after the game. I think that's kind of the path that they're looking for there for Vancouver. So I think the fact that they have six out of nine on Friday is going to help that, and, and we'll see how it, how it works out. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know they got a lot of things going on. At the Raj this year, and uh, we'll talk to Dan about that here in mere minutes. Let's move on to the PLPA, Evan. I know it's not a season preview, but we'll touch on this as well. Uh, you mentioned a lot of it, actually, in the opening about Nick Sakevich wanting a 10-year deal. You gave the timeline about a new CBA, so maybe we don't need to talk a whole lot about the PLPA before we talk to Peter and Dave coming up, but lots of things to, to chat with them about uh, as far as equipment, rule changes, uh, safety concerns, all that sort of stuff. So why don't we get to break here, Evan? Let's get a, get ahead of the game here a little bit so we don't run an hour and a half again. By the way, as I get off course once again, we put out a, I put out a, a poll on Twitter, and it, and it wasn't because I'm going to change anything or I just I kind of wanted to get a feeling from our listeners on how long they would like lacrosse classified to be each week and I gave the options 30 to 45 minutes an hour an hour to an hour and a half or two hours plus and we got a ton of votes on this poll here Evan and it was almost split like 30 30 30 and 10 I think so <laughs> I don't know if my question ever really got answered, but I think no. I think right around an hour, an hour and fifteen is the sweet spot here for Lax Glass. What do you think? Yeah, anywhere from basically I think fifty to an hour ten. But the thing is, and this is one text that we had actually received back from one of our fans, is that said, don't limit yourself. You know, if the conversation's going great, let it run, right? Because people are going to be intrigued by it. So. You know, it's it's really a balancing game, and, you know, we don't know. It's all of a sudden, you know, like Andy Towers, we thought would be on for 10 minutes, and we had such a great conversation, it goes for 30, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we want to make sure you're still entertained and, you know, engaged in it, but, you know, we understand that there's time limits, so there's... Yeah, people like to, to digest... To hour, but doesn't always yeah, happen. people like to digest their podcast in one sitting, and, and I totally get that, and that's what we try and accomplish here, but you're right. Like, if the content is there and there's things that need to be talked about, then we're going to run with it, and that's kind of the... The great thing about a podcast is that there's no limits on, you know, when you got to go to commercial, how much time you can take, and, and how many times a week you do it, or whatever. It's all up to us, and it's all up to you, really, uh, the listener, to, to keep tuning in, and if you keep doing that, we'll keep bringing you the good. So, there you go. Um, so, that that poll was pretty much split down the pipe as far as that goes. We didn't really get any answers, which is okay. Maybe that is the answer. Everybody likes a little something different, and we try and appeal to everybody here on Lax Class. Let's get to break. It's the general manager of the Vancouver Warriors next year on Lax Class. Keep her right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. 
A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games. Loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. The Vancouver Warriors are back November 29th at Rogers Arena. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. Hey, this is Mitch Jones of the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to the Cross Classified on Last All-Stars. Go in the game one podcast at a time. All right, lacrosse fans, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified right here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. You just heard from our good friends, our brand new sponsors here on Lax Class, the Vancouver Warriors, and my man Mitchell Jones, who lets you know that you're listening to Lax Class. Fans, don't forget, season tickets, flex packs, group tickets, and more. There's plenty of ways to get to a Vancouver Warriors game on any budget. For tickets, visit VancouverWarriors.com or call 604 899 Four six two five option three, the Vancouver Warriors where nothing's offside. As we welcome the general manager of the Vancouver Warriors to the program, Mr. Dan Richardson. Dan, uh, it's probably been what I'd say about a year since we talked last year on Lacrosse Classified. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me, and thanks uh, for reaching out and and coming on board here with last class for the Vancouver Warriors as well. Where nothing's offside. I I think we we just have to start there, Dan. Uh, some news coming out from the Vancouver Warriors. We're going to talk about the team and the roster and, and training camp and all that. But uh, Twitter was ablaze last week with one Mister Biz Nasty Two calling out the Vancouver Warriors and the National Lacrosse League, saying that he could make an NLL roster without even ever playing lacrosse before. This this was offensive to a lot of people. Uh, you actually reached out to Biz Nasty and, and got him on. This guy's coming to training camp next week. Tell us all about it. Yeah, I mean, we were just like everybody else in the league. We saw that he had uh, kind of sent a uh, tweet out there, and uh, we uh, grabbed hold of it. And uh, rather than uh, say, well, we'll offer you this, offer you that, we... we found out his contact information and, and contacted him and said, if you're, if you're serious, let's do it. And, uh, you know, you know my history, Jake, uh, back in the, with the Salmon Bellies, uh, I hired uh, or brought in uh, Jared Burnett one for a couple of years. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I remember uh, very intimately, Dan, Mr. Burnett. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, our players played a little bit, a couple inches taller. Sure. And, uh, so you know whether this pans out or not, we're gonna we're gonna find out. Uh, you know uh, we're bringing them up on Friday, and we'll see whether we have something or whether we don't. And uh, in the meantime, uh, I don't know whether uh, NLL or the uh, you know lacrosse itself has had that much. Uh, you know, info flowing around on social media. So no, it was absolutely out of control, and I think like every team in the league pretty much offered him a contract. Uh, there yeah. was guys offering to step up and fight him. I think I was one of those as well. But this, this is this is like you can't go wrong with this. I don't know if it's PR stunt, publicity, whatever you want to call it. Evan likes to call it marketing genius. I think I'm on that camp as well. Like, the amount of attention that one tweet got from that guy is absolutely incredible. Like, ev- people were chiming in, like Bob McKenzie and all sorts of famous athletes, all chiming in on this one tweet from this guy. 
yeah, it's it's amazing uh, the power of social media. So uh, the fact that we uh, took him up on his offer, and uh, so like we're excited to get him up here. And quite honestly, we don't know exactly what he's going to be able to bring, but uh, we're going to find out very quickly. Well, well, good thing that Logan was was able to find his number on the the bathroom wall there at the Roxy. <laughs> yeah, well, um, Logan's a character. You know that. Entering your second season now as the the GM of the Warriors, you inherited a team that definitely the roster was not as deep as your division rivals, and the vault of draft picks have basically been raided. Take us through your philosophy as to how you're going to approach bringing this team back to being a contender. Well, I mean, we knew when we we took this job on that we had inherited uh, a bit of a no other way to put it, a bit of a mess. So we had to, we, we took a look at our roster, uh, the fact that we had no draft picks for that last year, no draft picks this year. When I say no draft picks, I'm meaning uh, first and second and even third round picks, meaningful picks. Uh, um, we were over in our um, salary cap, and after interviewing the players, you know, it was a very disjointed room. So uh, we went about um, putting a plan together on how we were going to rebuild this team, and that required massive change. And um, so that's what you saw last year was, a, I think it was, you know, probably 15 or 16 new bodies in there. And we gave guys opportunities to play in the NLL that maybe had had chances, a cup of coffee here, a cup of coffee there, but we're really never given a, a real a real good chance, and of course the two uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about there are uh, Keegan Ball and, and, and Jordan McBride. Both ended up with uh, more than 30 goals in the in their first year of full-time lacrosse, and so that was all done by design. And um, you know, you don't have the the influx of that high uh, quality draft pick, so you have to do it by free agency and scouring the the Western Lacrosse Association because we were trying to do it sort of Western-based, and, and also the Alberta players. And, um, you know, we, we took a team that was 2-16 and 16 to 5-13, and 13, and quite honestly, you know, we could have easily been 8-8. Eight and eight. There were some games there that we just let get away in the third and fourth quarter. We had five of our losses. We were tied or had a lead going into the third, uh, after the third quarter. Um, we didn't close those games out, so we probably deserved the 5-13. and 13. This year, um, again, no draft picks, but um, we won't make as many wholesale changes. We're just getting, getting to our final releases uh, uh, today and tomorrow. But our depth is, is, is much improved from where we were last year. We're bigger. I think we're more athletic. And um, so we're, we're, we're trying to, to uh, you know, progress up the line from a 5-13 and 13 team. You know, we, we feel that we can get into the 8 or 9 or 10 wins if the uh, – across God's lineup for us. Speaking with general manager of the Vancouver Warriors, Dan Richardson, and, and I want to ask you about ownership, Dan, and Francesco and, and the Aquilini family, about how patient they are going to be. They, I'm sure like you knew coming into this job and the situation you were walking into, I'm sure they were probably pretty aware of it as well. Have they kind of given you an indication like, we're going to give you a few years here, Dan, to try and turn this thing around and figure it out. Or do they are they looking to win right now? Do they want to be in the playoffs right now and and want this to turn around quicker than that? Um, 
they've been nothing but great to deal with. They're very patient with us. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they knew what we had inherited. We were very uh, transparent with them after we took over on, on what we saw our, um, our short-term and long-term plan was for this organization, and they have been nothing but supportive uh, uh, with the dealings with the Warriors. And so, yeah, they, they want uh, to win, but they want to do it the right way, and uh, that's going to take some time. And so, so far, you know, they've been nothing but supportive to us, and I don't see that changing in the near future. Um, but, you know, uh, time will tell. I mean, we're we're think that we've made some changes to the abilities that we uh we can, and we're very excited that next year we can actually participate in the draft. <laughs> yes. You don't have to wait there for like four hours before you make your first selection. And I can tell you, uh, at both at the draft and, and uh, the weeks before and after, I've had uh, numerous teams coming at us for our first and second round picks. And, you know, I've got a, in my office here, I've got a whiteboard here, and I've written on, the, on my whiteboard, uh, the last, the history of this this organization's uh, draft picks, and when we last had a first round pick. So it's a reminder for me every day when I walk into the office not to trade that first and second round pick. So that's been our mantra around here, and, and we we uh, that's how we're going to build this the right way in the future. You've gone out and picked up a couple pieces this year to help supplement the roster. I mean, you've, you've got Bob Snyder to help you with your face-off issues you have last year, but perhaps more key is Nick Bielich and Riley Lowen, two guys who come with a whole slew of NLL championships. I think Bielich has more championships than the rest of the defense combined. How critical is it to get that kind of winning experience on the roster? Uh, absolutely imperative, and you hit the nail on the head. You've got to surround yourself with not only good lacrosse players, but uh, good character guys that have a, uh, you know, if they have a championship pedigree with them, that, that's even a, a, a bigger bonus. Nick, uh, we've been sort of uh, trying to acquire Nick for since I got here, and uh, finally this uh, year, uh, Mr. Keenan and ourselves were able to come to an agreement. And I can tell you the first practice that we had with Nick on the floor, <laughs> he made an, a, an immediate impact. I heard and, this. Uh, I heard this. He uh, he, he was very uh, – the compete level went up severely, and he went uh, after our skill guys, you know, making them pay the price. And, and that that's going to make our skill guys better. It's going to make our D guys um, work harder at practice. And he's all business. And uh, that was right from the first – a battle drill at, at training camp, and that's what we were looking for. Speaking with Dan Richardson here and and Riley Lowen, like I don't think people really realize the impact that Riley Lowen has on a roster and all the little things he does to open up guys like Logan Schuss and Mitch Jones. A real role player, but then a real skilled player when he gets his opportunity, he can put the ball in the net as well. And I think him meshing with those other guys on that side is is going to be real paramount for you and that's a big get as well i want to go to the to the goaltending department here dan and talk about eric penny and, and aaron bold 
Penny has yeah. been kind of knocking on the door here to, to push his way into a starting job for the last couple of years. I think it was kind of a real slow burn for Penny when he first came into the National Cross League, spent some time as a third goalie in Buffalo, then being traded to Vancouver and maybe thrust into a starting job before he was really ready with the retirement of Tyler Richards and then went back into a backup role, then got pushed back into a starting role. But since being down at Rogers Arena and becoming a warrior, it looks to me like Eric Penny is, is really ready to take the next step and become a full-time starter in the National Lacrosse League. But with that being said, you got a guy that's got championship experience. He, he was a big, coveted free agent signing for you um, just a year ago. W- what's the planning goal here for Vancouver? Is it is it Bold's net and it's Eric Penny's job to take it away from him? Or is it the battle in training camp? Or do you see... Eric being the, the goaltender of the future, and you're going to give him the reins to start the season. I mean, that, that's yet to be determined, but you're, 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 you hit the nail on the head. Like, um, we've got two, two goaltenders there. We got one with an experience and, and has won championships. And then you got Eric, who's been knocking on the door. And uh, when the coaches make their decision, um, I, I think as, as far as our goaltending, I think we're we feel that we're going to have better goaltending this year because we've got a better defense in front of them and they're going to give them better our goaltenders better looks and um because i just think that we've made some real good strides on improving the depth on our defense and that's going to help our goaltending out and with with aaron bold i mean he's going through a tough family situation is there any idea, is he going to be available most of the year, or is that up in limbo? As of right now, he's, he's let us know that he's going to be available for most of the year. Now, of course, that's a fluid situation that could change. Um, but uh, Aaron's been very, very good and, and, and transparent with us on, on that. And so, you know, we're there to, uh, and his teammates are there to support him. But uh, he's he's come to camp with a... a you know, he knew that uh, last year was a tough year, both personally and, and on the floor. And he's come uh, with a, a, a new uh, digger and attitude. And um, so it's been a real healthy uh, camp for both uh, him and Eric. Yeah, and you guys got some, some exhibition action in over the weekend as well. A, a nice win over San Diego, a, a tight loss against Saskatchewan there just on Sunday. Um, before we get to your schedule here, Dan, we know all the, the regular characters here, but you, you mentioned that you've gotten bigger and stronger on the back end. And I've seen Patrick O'Meara out there. I see Tyson Rowe out there. Up front, you got Keegan Bell, not Keegan Ball, by the way, um, who's a real big body on that right-hand side. Uh, a few missing characters uh, from camp there as well, but just give me your general synopsis over the, the first few weeks of camp for you guys and and maybe a couple of guys that have stood out for you that you weren't really expecting to. I, you know, when we opened up camp, uh, I uh, got up in front of the group and really challenged them to make it hard on the, on the coaches. To we brought forty players into camp, and you know, I said, "Look, you, this is an opportunity. Some of you may not have gotten uh, a chance at an NLL team. We're going to give you that opportunity. You know, as a five and thirteen team, nobody can sit and rest on their laurels. So it, it's wide open. So make it tough on the coaches and myself to." to uh, release you. And, and I'll tell you, um, it's, a, it's uh, you know, the last couple of releases that are happening today and tomorrow are really, really tough ones for us. And so that's good. That tells me that, that you know, we're, we're um, 
moving up the line. As far as, um, you know, the camp's gone, yeah, we, we love the size that guys like O'Meara and, and Rowe and, and he, James Ray. I mean, there was one shift there. We had uh, <laughs> James with O'Meara and Rowe, and uh, I can't remember who the fourth one was. I was like, I'm looking to go, yeah, that's that's a big – we got some big bodies out there. Um, it's, it, one of the biggest surprises for us uh, is uh, our fourth-round draft pick, Derek uh, Lloyd. Um, he – he is a monster on defense. He 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 whacks guys and makes them pay the price, and he battles, you know. And um, I think that's um, you know he's in great shape. And to, to pick that guy up in the fourth round, uh, we're we're very pleased with uh, what we've seen in camp with him. Interesting tidbit to your schedule. We talked to all the GMs about theirs, and the other GMs all talk about how they want Saturday night games. And here you have six Friday home games, uh, which is very unusual. But when we talked with Brad Challoner, he said this is actually might be a good thing that this after-work crowd is going to filter through to the Rogers Arena and up the attendance. How do you feel about the the, the move here that most of your games are on Fridays? And that, that was kind of by design just for that very thing. There's, there, our marketing people are really going hard after the millennials and uh, – the, you know, the downtown crowd and, uh, you know, you're going to get your lacrosse loyalists. And so it's the millennials that they're really been targeting and Friday night, you know, you know, you both know that lacrosse games are very quick. They're usually two hours, two hours and 15 minutes. Um, and so we sort of look at it as come to the, get your night started and come and have some fun at the Rogers arena with the, with the warriors and the $5 beers and, uh, and then you can continue on to wherever you go, whatever nightclubs you're going down. Uh, potentially the Roxy uh, with Biznasty after the game, right? Like that's that's kind of the path we're heading down here. Exactly, and so yeah, I, I know, and you know, we're we're trying to get most of our practices as midweek practices on on Wednesdays, and so Fridays we're not we're not afraid of Fridays. We 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 uh, actually like our schedule. Yeah, and I and I would say like. The other thing about that, Dan, when you're when you're talking about, and I know Fridays on the road can be a real challenge for for one Logan Shuss. I don't know if that situation is still kind of the where where it is where he can't make road games on Friday nights. But on the flip side, when you got six of your own, there's probably a few other guys around the league that are going to have that issue as well. And there's there's a home field advantage for the Warriors if if there's guys on other teams that got to come to Vancouver to play on a Friday night that potentially might not be able to make it that's that's going to be a benefit to you guys. Absolutely and uh you know uh, we uh like I said we did this all by design basically from our marketing department so uh we didn't really consider that but that's certainly a bonus. Well, I know all sorts of things are going to be going on at Rogers Arena this year, Dan. Uh, we're probably going to keep you informed about them all as we move along here on Lacrosse Classified, but uh, we'll have to check back in as as uh, as we move along here and find out what happens with Mr. Paul Bissonette uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, now, now, tell me about this, Dan, before we let you go. Can, can fans get into Rogers Arena next weekend? Are they going to be able to come and watch... 2.0 at training camp for the Warriors? Um, no, unfortunately not. It's a, it's a closed uh, weekend, and, and really because, not not just because of uh, Mr. Bissonnette, it was going to be closed anyway, because 
there's some stuff that uh, Coach Gill and the coaching staff are wanting to work on, special teams and that type of thing. But also just the business side of things, it's a fairly expensive venture to open the building up to the public for to watch uh, practices. Like sure. we have two practices and then we have our media day and uh, where the guys get all the videos and pictures taken for the year. So it's a real busy, and we have a team building uh, thing with the players on uh, Saturday night. So it's a real busy weekend, and uh, unfortunately, this weekend is not going to be open to the public. Okay, well, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of video evidence uh, posted up online that we'll we'll all be able to uh, digest. I'll look forward to that, Dan. I'll look forward to seeing you down at Rogers Arena in, man, just uh, a few weeks from now. Looking forward to it. And uh, once again, thanks for the Warriors for hopping on board here with uh, Lacrosse Classified. Thanks very much for having me on. And uh, you guys uh, put on a great podcast, so keep up the great work. Appreciate it. Vancouver Warriors, nothing's offside. That was the general manager of the Warriors, Dan Richardson and Evan Two and sixteen two years ago, Dan takes over. You get him to five and thirteen, and and I think he learned a lot of things in his first year as a general manager on what it was going to take to improve this roster. And I think, again, like he, he he's he's done some things that have been questioned, but he's done a lot of good things as well. And I think this team is heading in the right direction now under his charge, if you will, Evan. And, and what I saw at training camp this past weekend out of the Warriors leads me to believe that this is going to be a much improved team coming into this season. Defense is actually very good. So I have no concerns whatsoever about their offense. Their defensive depth is what they still got to work at. We'll see how it comes along. I mean, there's still, there's a lot of young guys coming in first time on the team. The real difficulty for Vancouver this year is just going to be the division alignment and how the playoffs work because they're in the toughest division and, you know, half your games are against that division. Well, actually, slightly more than half in the West. And trying to work your way up to third place. As third place, you're probably in. Fourth, you're hanging by a threat. Yeah, so, I, I think... Can, I they, think, can they get there? Yeah, I, the I, I don't know if they can or if they can't, Evan. For me, I think they're, they're taking a realistic, long-term approach in Vancouver, which I think is the right way to go. As we saw... With the stealth, it was a win-now attitude. And and that's not necessarily the wrong attitude to have in, in a market where you're trying to gain traction. But the problem was is that they tried to go for a win-now system, and they didn't win. And that set them back a long way. So now they've taken the other approach. We're going to build through the draft. We're going to build slowly and, and build for the long term. And there's going to be some growing pains there. There's no question about it. But I think that's the right approach to have. And for me, I think yeah, the most yeah. important thing for Vancouver here, Evan, is is if they want long-term viability, they're going to have to win home games. they got to get wins yeah. at home and engage that crowd and make it a party in there, which I think they're doing. But then they got to follow it. they got to back that up and get some Ws. And that's what's going to keep the fans coming through the turnstiles. Yeah, they need to build this over time. And, you know, Dan mentioned he's got a board with all the draft results from the last, what, 10 years. Did you give him and that? Guys, because that's you. You probably have one of those at home as well. We, we, actually, we actually put that out, what, about six months ago. And you look at the names of guys that the, the win-now attitude lost, and they lost Mark Matthews, right? They lost Graham Hossick. These are just... Crazy. There's the list is crazy as to who they 
could have had today had they built with the, with that long term yeah. revision in mind. Yeah. But you can't you can't bank back on that. You just learn from the past and you move on. No, and they'll they're going to get a good pick regardless uh, coming up in, in next year's draft as well. And that's like you said, something they haven't had in a decade is a high end first round draft pick. And I know they just cannot wait to get whoever that may be, Reed Bowering, Jeff Teat, uh, Trey LeClaire, whoever it is. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But that's a long way away from now, Evan. I can't believe it, man. Our, our NLL Stampede Tack season previews are done. We got through every team and a week to spare. Yeah. I remember because we were taping in your living room there the one day and you were thinking, what are we going to do for the next eight weeks? The brainchild <laughs> we just blossomed. Yeah, like it, and, podcast, and it can't eight it, weeks. It worked out like absolutely perfect, where we got through all the teams, and you were adamant about wanting to get the PLPA on. I was adamant about wanting to get the commissioner on, and it just so happened that when we decided to start these previews, we didn't really know if it was going to match up perfectly. But it literally did to the week where we started way back with with Buffalo, two teams per week, and it's worked out perfectly where we're going to talk to the commissioner next week, and that's going to be face-off weekend, and he's going to lead us right into the season opening game. Yeah, and it's it's hard to imagine that it's been, what, six months since we've had an NLL game, but we're about to have one. Oh, man, I, I've just, I'm, I cannot wait, man. I cannot wait. But... Going to have to wait and wait a little bit more because we're going to get to break right now, Evan. And then on the other side here on Lax Class, we're going to talk to Peter Schmitz and Dave Suckamore from the Professional Lacrosse Players Association. Look forward to this conversation. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse All Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Jamie Dowick, owner and GM of the Toronto Rock. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NOL and box lacrosse. Growing the game one podcast at a time. All right, lacrosse fans, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you. You just heard from our good friends, our fabulous partners at Pure Vital Labs. What they do at PVL, they're dedicated to creating high-performance products that are drug-tested and athlete-approved. All natural, no artificial flavors or coloring, informed choice certified supplements, tons of professional lacrosse players on those supplements, and those professional lacrosse players belong to the Professional Lacrosse Players Players Association, as I segue into our interview here, and on the line with us now, two members of the PLPA representatives, Dave Suckamore and Peter Schmitz. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad we're going to do this again about a year later from the last time we talked to you guys. And it was, and we're going to do it knowing that things are a little less contentious going into this conversation. As you'll recall a year ago, the, the outlook for an NLL season was not very good. Where are we a year later here with the PLPA? Dave, why don't I take this to start with? Um, well, obviously, we're in a much better position than we were last year. 
but we do, uh, as you probably know, have an opt-out coming up a year from now where either team, I mean, either Players Association, the players or the league have an opportunity to uh, opt-out of the current contract. So with a five-year deal with a three-year opt-out, we would play through this season, obviously, and next season, um, and then if there was an opt-out uh, next November, then there would be negotiations taking place during next year's season. Um, but I think the the positive news is I think there is a uh, seems to be a um, much greater interest in uh, more of a partnership uh, scenario with the league. Um, I, we've kind of, as you probably recall, had uh, pushed very heavily to have a formula that um, recognizes revenue growth on on league side, whether it be club related or league office related. Um, if there was a growth of any significance, that players' compensation relative to that revenue growth would increase. And um, we've had um, three negotiations take place uh, so far post-CBA, and we're in the process of uh, getting an NDA established between the parties that um, leaves everybody comfortable that uh, some pertinent information um wouldn't be uh, uh, wouldn't surface from other side, and I think uh, once we get past that, we can sort of move to the next level. There have been some proposed exchanges, proposal exchanges, I should say, and um, I think we're moving in the right direction. So, if you've had three discussions already with the league uh, towards a new CBA, obviously some nice ground to work with. But Nick Stakevich had told us he wants a ten-year deal. Um, he wants labor certainty to help sell expansion teams. Now, I know you can never say never, but with a league that is changing as much as it is right now, is 10 years realistic? Well, I'll take that just quickly, Dave, Dave Suckmore here. Is, uh, <clears throat> you know, our general counsel, Ron Jarvis, has always said in the past, if you make the deal good enough for the players, you know, you can sign a deal in perpetuity. So we would like we would need to have checks and balances in there that the uh, the players don't get left behind. Well, Dave, what 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 do you think the ideal term is from the player side of things? It, it's really hard to say. Really, couldn't put a number on that. Like I said, if the deal is good enough for the players and the executive, there's something that can be pulled for it going to the membership, then um, you play it that way. So is, it's it's, it's really hard to say. It's hard to say when you. You don't know what you're dealing with, what's in front of you at this moment. Yeah, well, I was about to say, is there is there one area or one point of contention that you think would capitulate the deal one way or the other? Like, do you, is there is there a major sticking point where you thought, okay, if if we get this, then we're willing to buy in for a long term? Yeah, no, we 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 couldn't go down that road right now. Like I said, we need to look at all, all the various uh, pieces of a puzzle to make the uh, determination. So it's, it's it's too premature at the time. But I guess the, the the whole hope is that before this November 2020 timeline comes, that something new is in place and neither neither side has to withdraw. Is that that's the goal? What do you mean withdraw? Or, or give notice mean, that they're going mean, to mean, to to opt out early. Yeah, essentially the opt out is you know is is a proactive. Um, move. In other words, 
we if we don't react, neither sides react. If we move on, we continue on with the current uh, uh, schedule, current CBA, and through the five years. Um, but <clears throat> you know, I think we both know both sides of I know well enough that um, you know even with if we didn't exercise our opt out, you're still only talking about a couple of years before the contract expires. So to your point, or to the league's point, five years is really not that long of a contract. Um, it comes up fairly quickly, especially especially in the case of a three-year opt-out. Um, and, and listen, it's not as though the players um, and the players' association uh, look to get back to the negotiating table every other year. Um, it certainly is not an easy thing to do to uh, to move into a, a potential work stoppage. Um, you know, but we are... You know, we obviously know uh, where we want to be relative to uh, what's consistent with other sports, i.e., roughly 50% of the uh, revenue is dedicated to uh, players' compensation. And that's kind of our ultimate goal. We're not looking to get more than that. That's consistent with other successful leagues. I think the league has indicated a willingness to, to approach that, the devil will be in the details on how we uh, make sure there's uh, enough transparency, so that we're confident that that there's not, you know, there's not revenue sources that aren't being um, expressed, um, you know, whether it be, you know, sort of a barter arrangement or other things that we need to dig into. But uh, ultimately, the league has indicated willingness to get there. Um, it will be a question of how quickly we get there, sort of what the threshold levels will be as we move from what appears to be, and we're waiting for data on this or confirmation, uh, roughly 19% of the uh, the revenue now goes towards players' compensation. So I was just so about – sorry, Peter, as we speak with Peter Schmitz and Dave Suckamore. So I was about to ask where you guys are now in relative – you're trying to get to 50%, but you figure you're at around 19% right now. That's right. That's right. Um, and that's assuming league revenue – I mean, uh, uh, average club revenue is in the $3 million range. That's, that's what we're being told, and we're waiting for some more detail on that. When do you expect um, that data to come to you, Peter? I'm sorry? When do you expect the actual data to come to you? Um, once we get the NDA completed, and that should be within the next week. So you, you think it would be proactive for both sides to look at opening up the CBA again, where, whether it's 12 months or, or two years from now, and look towards a long-term deal? You think that's a more proactive approach rather than riding out four or five years and then getting back to the bargaining table and looking for a long-term deal? I, are you telling me that you think it's a, a better approach for both sides to start talking much earlier rather than later to try and look for maybe a, a long-term deal? Yeah, I, I would. Absolutely. I would think it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, the more security, the, the more the league can go out and sell and, and uh, obtain sponsorships and expansion franchises and stuff like that. It's you know, like I said, if if it's good enough for the players and, and it's good for the league, then it's a win-win for all. So. One thing, may, sorry. One thing that maybe is in the cards in the future. I'm not sure how far away it is, but to get the league's costs down so the, so the salaries can go up. Obviously, there'd be an ideal time at some point where players are full-time athletes, and their teams are not incurring this cost of constantly flying players in and out of market. 
is that on the horizon? Do you think maybe 5, 10, 15 years away we're going to see that? Well, we know they're going to, you know, the, the plan, the league's plan is to continue with expansion. We know there's interested parties out there that are waiting to see if there's going to be any contract extension. And, and, and if the league had their um, plan uh, executed, it would be in addition of a team a year, I believe, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn expressing that. And getting to a 16-team league uh, would probably require more games. And we don't want the season to get expanded as far as length goes. And that might start requiring back-to-backs. And then ultimately we'll start potentially requiring um, some week-week games. And then you're starting to look at a position, a point where uh, it's going to be very difficult for players to you know, have another job. Uh, so to answer your question, ultimately... The league needs to get there. I think we're all on the same page. How quickly that happens is uh, going to be in question. But part of what we're looking to do with the extended CBA and utilizing this framework for compensation, which is the uh, you know the, re- the player compensation to revenue formula, I-, I think we can get there with a lot of you know with a relatively easy transition from a CBA standpoint. Uh, certainly it will be um, a little bit more difficult to make sure the quality of play stays uh, at its current level um, or gets better. Uh, but we don't want to see a lot of veterans as a result be sort of forced out. Speaking with... So there is a balance. Uh, there is a, there's a feasibility study that both of, both groups are looking at. We typically ask questions to the players when we see them and we try and see every team at least once a year. You know, what's their feeling on that? And Let's get a little feedback, and obviously the executive committee on our side will play a pretty big role. And and um, once we get to that, once we get to that point, and ultimately, I think it's, it's it, the sport needs to go there, and we all kind of know that. And uh, eventually, they'll have no choice. And the question will be how quickly they get there. Yeah, sp- speaking with Peter Schmitz and Dave Sekamore from the Professional Lacrosse Players Association, and and I'm glad you addressed that because I think a lot of people wonder about that when when we start getting more teams is the league going to start to either extend the season or start to play midway games and that kind of leads me into my question here guys is that I think for me the National Lacrosse League and its players need to get to a point where they only play professional lacrosse in the National Lacrosse League and that includes the WLA or major series lacrosse or even the PLL or MLL or whatever. Is that something that the PLA wants to get to, to a point where their players are obviously they're making enough money to have a professional career and make that their career, but where their playing services are exclusive to the national lacrosse league and they're not running the risk of getting hurt in another league or collecting a paycheck from another league where this, the sole focus is on the National Lacrosse League and, and promoting that league alone. Dave, you want me to take that? Well, I... I, I, I have some and then, Dave, you can follow up if you'd like to. Um, we are not going to put ourselves in a position where we're restricting the players from playing in other leagues. With as much money as the players can get, and if it's their choice, and it's not going to impact their requirements under this contract, then we're not going to handcuff a player from going out and doing as best he can and making. And, uh, Do you think that's something the league wants to have happen? Then, Peter, 
they haven't indicated as such. Um, yeah, I think they're too. I'm certainly they're concerned about, and the clubs are concerned about their um, their players in the off season, you know, getting injured and so on. Um, on the other hand, it also keeps them in shape and hones their skills. It might be a slightly different game, but it is um, still across. So I'm not sure if they would push that hard back. I, you know, it's, it's an, we don't have this kind of. This is obviously a unique situation. So there, I don't know if there's any other sport uh, that has that at the highest level has that kind of this kind of opportunity to play, you know, a slightly different variation on the same game in two different seasons. It's very unique. So we're we're still there's still a lot of discussion relative to what happens and you know if it ever gets to that point. But it's we've got other things to worry about right now. It's more we're focused and the league is focused on. The, you know, creating the best product in the in the indoor box league that they possibly can at this point. Wanted to ask you guys. Uh, wanted to ask you guys a, a bit about player safety issues, and the league took a stance a few years ago where they finally got the you know started to penalize the headshots quite a bit heavier. We're still seeing a number of concussion issues within the league. What needs to happen to to keep dragging this number down? Is it player awareness? Is it rule changes? Is it different equipment? What do you think needs to happen to enhance the player safety in this regard? Great question, Evan. I, you, to be honest with you, I think the parties, that being the NLL and the Professional Lacrosse Players Association has done a great job in, in cur- curtailing that stuff. I mean, uh, there used to be a lot more high hits uh, uh, previously. I mean, we've been looking at the appeal process and and have been withdrawing those appeals where we felt that that uh, they weren't they weren't good hits and they were dangerous uh, hits to the head. So we think both parties have been working good together and bringing that uh, that down. You know, the difficulty our game has, as everybody knows, lacrosse is played with a stick up, where opposed to hockey, where the stick is down. So sometimes you have the stick that rides up off the equipment. But uh, as I said, we've done a good job to get it down. I mean, last year we only sent uh, 25% of the uh, of the suspensions to an appeal, and uh, we base everything on merit. If we feel, feel uh, there's merit, we move it forward. We have a duty of fair representation to the players that are being disciplined under the National Labor Relations Act, and we must follow through on that. Uh, in our travels uh, with team visits this year, we, we've had some good dialogue with the players, and, and the players really do understand it. And it does come up, and uh, and we understand it, and at the end of the day, they understand our, our messaging to them is that we're there for the players. And, um, you know, the equipment may have something to do with it as well. Um, right now, we haven't heard haven't received any feedback with respect to the equipment. I know there's some new wrist guards coming in from Wilson, and apparently they're amazing. And uh, we haven't heard much on any new additional equipment. We haven't had any complaints as of now. A couple couple players have uh, mentioned about the new ball. They're not too happy about that, but it, it's being limited at this time. Um, but, you know, the athletes are, are faster, bigger, stronger. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be, you know, probably concussions just from clean hits as well. So, uh, you know, the league has done a good job uh, revising the rules uh, to look to curtail that stuff. And uh, we're all for player safety as well because we really believe it's, uh, it's paramount. Uh, um, it's just the, the way it should be. Well, Dave, I can tell you uh, some players that probably needed some of those Wilson wrist guards were, were probably guys that you and and your buddy Brian Shanahan were chopping away on back in your Six Nations Chiefs day. I, I saw Shanny's uh, uh, induction speech uh, for the Etobicoke Hall of Fame, and, and your name was mentioned uh, 
a few times there from from Mr. Shanahan. Um, what a special night that was for for you, and I'm sure for Brian as well um, to kind of relive those days and, and get recognized uh, for those great Chiefs teams from back in the day. Yeah, it, it sure was, and, and you know, uh, uh, Jake uh, Brian was uh, very well deserving going into that Hall of Fame. You know, he won five man cups in a row. And uh, those man cups, you know, they seem like yesterday. I can remember it like it was a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was a lot of fun and it was just great to be associated with that team and have an opportunity to uh, go for the national championship and be successful in the end. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, just before we let you go here, fellas, um, is there any anything else on the horizon or maybe behind the scenes that the PLPA is, is working on that's not necessarily in the spotlight that, that you guys, a directive that you guys are trying to make happen or anything? Yeah, well, right now, we, we about a year ago, we were approached by the CFL Players Association with Brian Ramsey and their leadership about trying to get workers' comp for professional athletes in Canada. I think everybody knows that there there isn't uh, workers' comp for professional athletes in Canada, and there really should be. I mean, you know, the players are employees, just like anybody else that's working any other job, and, and uh, they, they should be brought into that. So there was a, a meeting at the end of August with the NHLPA, the Professional Hockey Players Association, the CFLPA, and us, and uh, and just some dialogue going and some feedback as to how this can po- possibly move forward. It was at the WorkSafe PC, and it's uh, a great initiative that Brian uh, Ramsey and his leadership has has brought forth. And uh, we're hopeful uh, in due time that this will become reality. So that's that's one thing that uh, we're working on now with the uh, CFLPA and the other. Players associations. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, listen, guys, uh, appreciate your time once again, and, and appreciate the update on what's going on in all things professional across players association. I got to say here, Dave, uh, you know, you went out of your way and, and you shipped me a, a PLPA power bank. I don't know what it was, probably two, three years. I literally used that thing so much, Dave, that I, I sucked the power right out of it. It's done. I don't know if you got any of those things yeah. kicking around still or not, but yeah, uh, I think um, closets might be able to find a few. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I still I, rock I, my shaving kit as well. I still got the, I still got the shaving kit as well. Yeah, I'm the golden the vault pulls out. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I lost my, and now I'm lost without it. It's crazy. Yeah, you don't realize how much you need that thing until you don't have one. Uh, hey, guys, uh, appreciate the time once again. And um, listen, I like it's not something. I think an annual check-in would be a great thing with you guys. I don't want to talk to you guys too much because that probably means that things aren't going well. But if we can talk, you know, a year, maybe twice a year throughout uh, throughout the season, I think that would be a great thing because I think it's it's something that fans don't get a lot of insight to, but I think a lot of people are interested in. So I appreciate your guys' time. We appreciate you inviting us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jake and Evan. Really appreciate uh, giving us an opportunity. All right, guys, uh, we'll talk soon. That was Peter Schmitz and Dave Suckamore from the Professional Lacrosse Players Association, Evan, and uh, always a good conversation with those two and and to kind of get up to speed and know what's going on behind the scenes with the players. And the good news is they've already had three discussions for a new CBA, which if you think back a year ago, I think the third discussion happened in October with like a month to go before the season. Yeah, so now you can't wait. We're in a much better position than we were 
a year ago. No, the fact that they're talking already, I think, is a really good sign. And I don't know exactly how the process works. Like, I think when one side will get a proposal from the other, they'll give it the the once over, the twice over, and then they'll say, yeah, like, this is good, this is not so good, we hate this. They'll kind of curtail a proposal that's more in line with them. They'll send it back over there. That'll get kicked around on their side. And and back and forth they go. But the fact that they're doing it this early and being proactive so we don't go through something like we saw a year ago because it's – like you said, it's it's bad optics for one. It hampers the ability to go out and acquire new franchises. It's just it's a bad luck all around, and nobody wants it. I mean, everybody wants to see games. Everybody wants to get paid, and everybody wants to, to play games. So it's in everybody's best interest, and we want to talk about the games, Evan, so it's in exactly. everybody's best interest to get the deal done sooner than later, and, and hopefully they can find some common ground and we can get a long-term deal in place so this league can move forward. Yeah, I mean, short-term deals aren't in their interest either because there's a ton of administrative costs they got to go through just to negotiate any deal. Now, can you get to 10 years? I think that's tough. I, I You know, with the number of things that are changing, unless you did have a salary cap tied to revenue, maybe you could get there. But otherwise, I, I think it's tough. I, I understand why the league wants it, but at the same token... We can't go absolutely crazy on expansion. I, I look back on it. We're NLL's 33 years old. The NHL, 33 years old, had only six teams, and mm. the most they ever had between them was 10. So it's not like we got to go nuts. No, I, I think that's a great point, Evan, is that people – and it seems like the National Cross League has been around a long, long, long time. 33 years for a professional league to be in existence is is baby years. Like, it's absolutely baby years. So I think where the NLL, and it's gone through some highs, some real highs, and it's gone through some real lows. But where we are now, I think, is on real solid ground, and the future is bright here. I think the right people on both sides are in control and will guide this thing where it needs to go. But it's not going to happen overnight. A lot of things, just look at what's happened with this league in the last three years. Give it another decade and let's see where we're at then. Because I think what's going to happen is going to be, it's going to be massive. Like it, it's it's ready to explode. And I think we just need to have a little bit of patience here to get to where we want to go. Yeah, the last thing we want, and I've said this before, is the last thing I, I think any of us want is an expansion the way it happened about 16, 17 years ago where... No, just give everybody a team. Them, hey, oh, you want a yeah, team? Here, here's a team. A million-dollar check, here's yeah. your team, right? Yeah. You can't do that because, you know, you lost too many teams. Fans kind of lost some faith because they didn't know if their team was going to exist within a month. Um, no, you know, now, now it's about... Slow, systematic approach. Yeah, now it's about... Owners with deep pockets, obviously, Evan, but owners that have great building deals as well and are in it for the long haul and, you know, aren't going to worry about payroll, quite frankly. So uh, now the focus is is on acquiring that type of ownership, NHL, NBA, and, and owners that are in it for the long haul that have real deep pockets, and I think Nick Sakevich has done a great job of that. We're going to talk to him next week, as I mentioned off the top of the show. But now, Evan, we got to get to break, and fourth quarter is up next. We're going to introduce a brand-new feature here to the program, 
And we'll check in with our weekly news and notes. Get this thing tied up in a nice little bow for you and send you on your way here on a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us here on Lax Class on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is PBL athlete Zach Courier of Team Canada Lacrosse, the Calgary Roughnecks, and Peterborough Lakers. You're listening to Lax Class, growing the game one podcast at a time. All right, lacrosse fans, welcome back. Fourth quarter time here on Lacrosse Classified. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you for another few minutes or so here. Great conversations there with Peter Schmitz, Dave Suckamore, and of course Dan Richardson. Uh, by the way, thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. Of course, uh, they've been on board since day one here of Lacrosse Classified. Sean Ashworth and the gang there in Coquitlam leading the way in environmentally friendly products, labels, and packages. You need one? Find my friends at associated-labels.com or at Associated LP. And follow their daily blog as well and see all the cool things they're doing there down at Associated LP. Associated-Labels.com, where they create first impressions, uh, news and notes. But before we get to those, Evan, we're going to introduce a brand new segment to the podcast. And we're going to call it Under Review. Question coming in this week. I should probably have the name for it uh, at the ready, but I don't. And while you answer this question, Evan, I will find that name. But the question coming in was... With the league expanding to new franchises here, when is enough teams enough? So let's go back to the point I brought up in the opening segment. 33 years in, the NHL was at 16s. They were at 10 at the most up to that point in time. The NLL is currently at 13. To me, the number 16. And the reason I say 16 is several reasons. It's You can have an even number of divisions with an even number of teams in each division. It makes scheduling a lot easier. The balance of the schedule works out a lot nicer. Look at the NFL, how much of a nice balanced schedule they have now with 32. The multiples of two really work quite nicely. Now, Nick Sikavich has said he wants to see 30 teams. And sure, 15, 20 years down the line, 30 teams, maybe it's a possibility. But the thing is, you've got to go through these systematically. You can't continue to raid teams' rosters time and time and time again because then the product that is coming out for that expansion team diminishes too quickly. So you've got to have it kind of balanced at some point. And the way I look at it, if you add three more teams, then take some time, sit back, and... Make the teams you've got stronger. we still got an imbalance that also needs to be worked on. That's the other side to it is that you've got teams with 15,000 in the building and you've got some that the realistic in-building attendance is 2,000. And this is going to get balanced out. And whether that is growing those markets to make them stronger 
or eventually saying, you know what, this market just didn't quite work the way we anticipated. Let's find a stronger market for that team. Either one works, but get it to 16 and then make the league stronger before you go any further. Patrick Kurtz was the question answered. Uh, that is our under-review question of the week here, Evan. Thanks for that submission, Patrick. And and this may be boring podcasting here, Evan, but I could not agree with you more. I think 16 is the perfect number for right now. Get to 16, whether it be in one, two, three years from now, and then ride that wave for about five, six, seven years. Make sure every team in the league is on stable ground. Because I, I think the biggest concern that you should have is that the the product gets watered down. There's not a good enough goaltending. There's not enough players to keep what we watch in the National Lacrosse League right now be the best of the best of the best in the world. And, and yeah, there's still a lot of good lacrosse players out there, Evan, but you start bringing in too many teams, the product's going to get watered down. Those bottom-end guys on the roster, it's not going to be the same. You're not going to have the high-end starting goaltenders that you're going to have as you do right now. So I think you got to be real careful. But I think for all the reasons you mentioned, mm-hmm. the balance, the West, the East, um, having enough Canadian teams, having teams in markets across the continent so we can get a national TV, I think all these things are very pertinent, but 16 is the number for me. So I, I, I'm, I think you're bang on. I fully agree with all of it. Those are my reasons as well. Thanks for the question, yeah. Patrick Kurtz. That was our under-review question of the week yeah. right there. And you brought up a very good point there about players. And U.S. box was getting better at developing players. But there's still time needed, and the, to be honest, to get to that next level, there's going to be a lot. You're going to need more field players playing box. Yeah, we're going to need to get to a point where players from England or Finland or Australia or wherever it is are starting to crack NL rosters. Well, that's just it. Like I, I, you know, you look at the NHL, you look at the NBA, and everybody say, "Oh, 30 teams, yeah, no problem." But these two leagues are drawing players from the entire world. And the NLL and lacrosse is not in a position to do that. The the majority, if not like 95% of it, is coming from North America. And about 80% of that is coming from Canada. So we're not in a position to be going, yeah, we've seen Yoki Miller and and some, some other guys from around the world have a crack at it here. But there's just not the talent depth pool around the world like there is for basketball or for hockey. Evan, we got to move on here. We got to wrap this thing up. Uh, a couple other news and notes coming in. Derek Sutton's moves from the playing floor to the coaching bench for the Brooklyn Lacrosse Club. I almost said it, but I caught myself just before I did. The Brooklyn Lacrosse Club, Derek Sutton's longtime NLLer, now a member of the coaching staff. I haven't looked at the transaction wire. We just talked to Dan Richardson. He says cuts are coming down for his team today and tomorrow. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that. Keep your eye on the NLL transaction page to keep up to date with all of that. Oh, one thing I did want to sneak in here. Uh, the Halifax Thunderbirds have been, uh, announcing their new broadcast team. And I love, I love this uh, collaboration that they've come up with here. The voice of the Peterborough Lakers, one Pete Dalladay, who has called, obviously, he's called Lakers lacrosse for a long time, and, and he's seen some high-caliber lacks there in Peterborough. So very experienced play caller for the sport of lacrosse, and Pete Dalladay out of Peterborough will be your play-by-play man. 
Uh, your sideline reporter will be one Miss Dana Jackson. Um, she'll be in between the benches doing the sideline stuff, so look forward to that. And the best news of all is our good friend of the program, lacrosse superstar Patty Gregoire will be the color analyst for the Halifax Thunderbirds coming up this season. Congratulations to all three of those guys. That is going to be a fantastic broadcasting crew. Um, exhibition scores coming in from the weekend, and I don't know how much stock you want to put into it, Evan. I don't put a whole lot in, but here you go regardless. 9-6 San Diego versus Saskatchewan. 16-10 Vancouver over San Diego. Colorado beat Calgary 12-9. The Rush beat Vancouver 16-14 in NLL Did I miss anything? Was New England or anybody else uh, in exhibition action today or last weekend? I don't know if they were. There were there were games at the ILA. Uh, Zed Williams scored. Oh, one. yeah, I Absolutely saw that. Georgia Buffalo. goal there. My goodness. Yeah, Check my he, Twitter feed on that. I posted that up there. Um, he goes reverse backhand or around the world and not only does around he do, the world, yeah. after the after the swim move then goes around the world not only does he do that in traffic but then puts it on the bounce into the top corner it is a ridiculous goal from the maybe the most underrated player in the national cross league in zed williams check that one out on my timeline i gotta post it up there and finally evan uh new cla president and apparently this guy i don't know anything about him to be quite frank with you but goes from being the president of the Saskatchewan Lacrosse Association to the president of the CLA, Sean Williams. Yeah, uh, I've only actually had a chance to meet Sean a few on a few occasions, so I don't actually know as much as I should either. But um, you know, you got the provincial organization that has had the largest growth percentage-wise in Canada uh, coming to the forefront, and. Um, the long-term presidency of Joey Harris now over. Um, this kind of came out of nowhere, take- hey? Like I, I, like, I didn't hear any rumblings that this was coming down no, the pipe. neither did I. And, you know, does that change the outlook of the, of the CLA? I mean, we've gone through the issues of the player walkout before the world. And we've gone through the issue of the overturned suspension at the Minto Cup. And... You know, does this start to issue in a, a new wave of better cooperation yeah, and yeah, what, rule whoa. changes and things like that, or not? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I, it's going to be a wait and see, and it's probably a conversation for another podcast, Evan. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that situation and story as it develops. One more week of training camp to go, and then it goes for real. November the 29th, the NLL season kicks off. We're going to talk to the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League next weekend here on Lacrosse Classified. Next Tuesday, every Tuesday, via the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network, Lax Class comes at you. And all courtesy of our great friends at Pure Vita Labs, Associated Labels and Packaging, Stampede Tack and Western Wear, and, of course, the Vancouver Warriors could not do the podcast without them. So make sure you are supporting our sponsors to keep this podcast going. That's how it works. Uh, big thanks to Peter Schmitz and Dave Suckamore for coming on the program, to Dan Richardson, of course, for wrapping up our NLL season previews. Don't forget to follow us along on social media. I'm at PXP for Sports. Evan is at Shem Lax. The show is at Lax Class. Subscribe. To the podcast, people, just do it. If you've been debating, you're on the fence about 
Don't hesitate any longer. Just wherever you find your podcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, you name it, Lacrosse Classified is there. Just hit the subscribe button. It's the right thing to do. That's going to do it for episode 54, Evan. That is nuts that we're on episode 54. Is it 54 or 53? I'm confused now. This is 54. 54 yeah, 54 so I think correct. I said Nick Sakevich is coming up on 54. That'll be episode 55, which is next week. So episode 54 is done. Thanks for hanging with us. And we'll talk to you next Tuesday. For Evan Sheminar, Ben J. Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, enjoy the games, everybody. <laughs>